Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. What we've tried to do and what I wish that companies and everybody could think is, what's my particular superpower and what could I do? Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. Red Nose Day is an annual fundraising campaign organized by Comic Relief to end child poverty throughout the world. The organization funds programs that help keep children safe and healthy while providing them with the support and education. This year, Red Nose Day will take place on March 17th and is an excellent opportunity to get involved and raise awareness for this incredible organization. Today, I am particularly excited to welcome a legendary screenwriter, director, and the co-founder and vice chair of Comic Relief, Richard Curtis. Richard, welcome and thank you. Michael, it's so great to be here. I already have to slightly put you right because March 17, well, not put you right, and you up. March 17 is the UK Red Nose Day. And then Red Nose Day USA is in May, in fact. Well, there you go. It's kind of like Mother's Day. The UK has Mother's Day in March and the US has Mother's Day in May. I learned that. So see. Every day is Mother's Day, Michael, isn't it? Oh, God, yes. So, Richard, um, March 17th, I'm glad you clarified, is Red Nose Day in the UK and May 25th is Red Nose Day in the US. That's right. And it's a sort of season because we start selling the Red Noses in Walgreens at the beginning of April. And lots of different things happen during that time, online events and other things on sale. So it's a kind of, it's a season of goodwill is how I like to think of it. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with Comic Relief or Red Nose Day, and God knows there can't be that many people who are not familiar with those two concepts or those two events, can you talk about it from inception? But And how do you decide where the money goes? You know, you've got so many worthy recipients organizationally, and then, the, of course, the flow from the organization to the individuals. What's the criteria? What's the vetting process you go through to determine how you distribute the uh, the cash? Well, the wonderful answer is it hasn't got that much to do with me. These are really serious issues. You know, in the USA, we're giving our money to kids uh, at home and kids all over the world. And you need real experts working on it all the time. So what we do is we've got a grants group within the organization. uh, And they're really trying to look out for what's going to keep kids healthy, safe, educated, empowered. And we started in the USA by giving money to some big sort of blue chip organizations like Boys and Girls Club and Save the Children and United Way. Uh, And we still um, really work with some of these big, brilliant organizations. But we also sort of go down into the grassroots and try and find organizations that are small, brilliant, have new ideas. You know, and the idea always is to cover both bases. I'm desperately keen that if someone buys a red nose, that they should really believe it's instantly going to make a difference. So, you know, we're dealing with food poverty. 
abroad, we're often dealing with sort of dramatic ill health, which can be helped by a malaria net or something like that. But then we're also sort of addressing the root causes of poverty, trying to find out what causes those things, really give kids an opportunity early on in their lives to get a better education, better opportunity, not let their health get messed around in a way that's going to affect them then for the rest of their lives. So the truth of the matter is it's a huge group of real experts led by a very talented group amongst us who are trying to get to, you know, sometimes it's quite a bit of money in one small organization that helps a thousand people, but then sometimes it's a massive broad spread of just giving money to feeding America and they'll just feed thousands upon thousands of families. So I think we've helped something like 17 million kids at home and around the world since we started here. Well, you're talking about the start. First of all, that's an astounding statistic and and something to be applauded. I want to go back. You know, look, you're a famous guy. And when we first had the pleasure to meet, I told you I was with a group of my British friends some time ago, and we had a Richard Curtis week. We were together on a holiday, and all my British friends said, we're doing Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones, Love Actually, Night After Night, almost to the point I got sick of you at some point. I'm kidding. I mean, honestly, that's like a big bowl of pasta every night. You should be careful of that. I'm telling you, the calories were incredible, but uh, so was the pleasure. Uh, But I would list, as many would, those movies in my favorites. What led you to kind of get started with comic relief back in the 80s. I mean, you have this remarkable career and this remarkable body of work. And I will tell you one other story, Richard, which I did tell you. I remember a wonderful short subject years ago, and I think I shared this with you when we sat together. Uh, Albert Brooks did it, and it was a school for comedy. And it said, when you want to be a comedian, and this was like a school that you'd be trained. Right. The classes you were forced to take was choose your charity. Ah. And, and it was funny because here Jerry Lewis had muscular dystrophy and Danny Thomas had St. Jude's and Richard Curtis has got comic relief, you know, and Red Nose Day. Did you go to school for that or did you learn that naturally? Ah. No, I mean, you know, the first thing I saw, which was sort of big and charitable, was something called the Secret Policeman's Ball, which was an event that John Cleese started, in fact, for Amnesty, which was an organization I'd supported when I was a kid. But, you know, it's that strange mixture between sort of passion and opportunity. So after I saw um, Live Aid, I thought, well, comedians should be able to do something. We should pitch in here. And then I went to Ethiopia and, you know, Michael, I saw things, I saw suffering of a level you, you know, I never knew about such terrible things, huts where people who'd moved away from hunger and the the nurses said to me, no one will survive in that one. These guys, maybe 50%, these guys we hope are going to get through. And yet the people in there were, were, still rich and full people. You heard laughter. You could perceive immense character and bravery. And so I came home, just got together with my friends and said, what can we do? And what we did was a seven-hour special show, um, you know, with appeals made by comedians and with a lot of comedy. Don't see any contradiction there. 
And we came up with the idea of a red nose just as a sort of easy photograph, like branding, really. And it was such a success, the first one. I think we made 15 million that the idea of giving it up seemed like inhuman. That would be folly to give it up. if you... Yeah. And so I did it again. The next year we made 27 million. And suddenly uh, we thought, well, let's try and do this every year. And let's try and be original in every point, the same way as new comedy programs develop, new marketing ideas develop. Let's not get stuck just in one rut. Let's see all these elements in the world, different kinds of TV programs, lots of relationships with businesses, publishing opportunities, music opportunities. Let's just keep bashing away at it. And the moment you do it, of course, you learn more about the need. So you become more passionate about the causes. And it's become my second, you know, life. It's basically I've spent however long it is, probably I've been doing it 36 years, probably spent 17 of those just doing it. Well, it's been quite a run, Richard. And what you identified there, and you kind of anticipated my next question is you normally don't think of charity and comedy as being linked. You you think of, of, you know, concerts, you know, live aid, you see it with music, you see it with a concert, you don't generally see it with comedy. No, well, there was the great organization Comic Relief here that dealt with homelessness in America. And that was, you know, brilliant and original in its time. What we're trying to achieve is a world where people have got time to be happy, to be joyful, to laugh. There is no contradiction there. So, and I've always found comedians really unself-righteous about this, and they love being able to do their own funny stuff and trust you to distribute the money with, you know, passion and accuracy. You've reimagined this over the years, and what what I think I understand is Red Nose Day has gone through its sort of most dramatic makeover since it debuted in 1988. I mean, can we talk about that and, you know, Johnny Ive getting involved and... Well, just taking a step back, the great thing about charity, you know, and you're so well connected to so many, you know, forms of media and so many companies, is that what we've tried to do and what I wish that companies and everybody could think is, What's my particular superpower and what could I do? So, you know, Sainsbury's mass market, Walgreens mass market, and they sell the red noses and we make absolutely millions. We did records with, you know, everyone from One Direction to George Michael. And uh, so every business has a place where if they put something special onto the market for charity, they can make real money. So Johnny I was just the latest example of this. He and I have known each other for a long while. He knows that I love Red Nose Day. And he just said to me one day, why don't I try and design you a new red nose? So why don't, instead of it being a gorgeous, simple piece of plastic, let's see what my mind does with it. And he's devised, him and his group at Love From, this amazing thing. It arrives as a sort of red crescent and then you open it up and it's like a christmas decoration and it snaps onto your nose and they um in fact invented a new type of hinge and the interesting thing is we're not selling them yet in america uh, i hope that we will 
but they're on sale in the UK. And not only are they kind of brilliant and exciting, but we're selling them through Amazon. And there we go. Suddenly, that new world, you know, the world of online ordering. So that at the moment in the UK, if you go online and you're buying a tea kettle, you'll probably see a thing saying, would you like to buy a red nose too? So there, that massive organization suddenly using its muscle in order to sell. So, you know, this is my obsession for people. I was a second rate comedy writer and with together with my friends, we've managed to raise, I think it's now $2 billion. You know, what can anybody listening to this who's, you know, big in sports or big in TV or big in fizzy drinks, what can we all do to make our lives doubly satisfying, you know, in the amount of money we can raise to change other people's lives? And, and, and Richard, you might have already answered my next question because I think you've just articulated it so well. The legacy of Richard Curtis is obvious. The legacy of Richard Curtis is a brilliant, uh, talented filmmaker and and director and writer and and God knows that. Has, well, thank you, Michael. I've made some stinkers too, but that yeah, we all have. But the, you the know, bad ones get forgotten. Yeah, but you know, I look at life, Richard, like a television series. You know, there are series that I have enjoyed, but I could pick an episode or two I didn't like, but. But I, I try to judge life and people and 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 moments in that run of the show. What was the run of the show? Yeah, yeah. Just in a single episode. So uh, those stinkers don't count when you've got the 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 absolute masterpieces that I articulated earlier. But I know your legacy, but your legacy is going to be impacted as well, and obviously by what you've done with Red Nose Day. What do you hope the legacy of Red Nose Day is? Well, look, what a big question. One of the things is we never know what's going to result from things that we do. So, you know, I've had peculiar things. So, you know, when Bob Geldof did Live Aid, you know, one of his legacies is everything to do with Comrade Relief. I simply would not have done it. And I wrote to a friend of mine the other day, uh, Henry Timms, to congratulate him on the massive success of Giving Tuesday. And he was gracious enough to write back and say, you know, I did Giving Tuesday, which has raised billions because of Comet Relief. That was something I used to do at school. And I thought, let's find a way with new media to raise a lot of money. And I was part of the campaign, the Make Poverty History Live 8 campaign. And I know that Hugh Evans, who runs Global Citizen, it was that. I spent the weekend with in Buenos Aires two weeks ago. Well, there we go. But it was that that inspired him. So... You know, the answer is, I don't know. You know, it could be that somebody who sets up an amazing new company decides that they're going to really dedicate its, you know, profits to changing the world. It could be, you know, some person who writes something or makes a film as a result of it. I think all you can do is do your very best. Think of as many kind of original things. I mean, the world of gaming obsessed me at the moment. We're about to have a really great deal with one of the big kids gaming things where they kind of can go in a world and they spend the money they usually spend, but the money comes, you know, to comic relief. And you think, well, maybe there's a person setting up a gaming thing who says, let's go 50-50 here. There's someone from TikTok who says it could be the greatest fundraising mechanism in the world. So I think all you can do in life, but my, my motto, Michael, is to make things happen. You have to make things. 
if you have a go, your own go, and you do the thing you can do, then someone else will have their go and the thing that they can do. So I try not to think about my legacy and just to keep doing good stuff and hope that there is a legacy in a lot of brilliant organizations that we've funded. I'm glad you answered the question that way because I took exception with somebody not that long ago who was a very famous person, bold-faced name in the entertainment industry for sure, and they were being interviewed and she said to this gentleman something about your legacy and he said, and I happened to be in the room and he said, oh, I don't care about my legacy. And I, and after the presentation, I saw him in the, cause I was speaking next and I was in the green room when he was coming off the stage. And I said, that was a great presentation, except you're full of shit. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, everybody's interested in their legacy. Everybody should be and, and is focused on their legacy because it matters. It's what we leave behind. It's what we do, but it's what we leave behind. And pivot to a statement I, I was given by a friend of mine recently that said, uh, and I want to get it right. She said, I don't want, we, we, she was talking about an organization she's involved in uh, business-wise. And she said, we don't want to talk about the things we're going to do. We want to do the things we're going to talk about. Ah, that's and I thought that was smart. a great, yeah, yeah, yeah. great play on words because it's easy to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, I don't want to know what you're going to do. Let's, let's do it. And then we can talk about it. And Richard Curtis, you've done that. You've done that in spades. You've done that in your, in your vocation and apparently in your avocation, because I think they line up very well for you. I pride myself on the fact that I tell people the person you see in, in, the, in the business context or in whatever context is the same person you'd see if we were in a personal conversation. I don't have two personas. I have one. And well, you know, it's and, and you, you get life takes you by surprise. So you may or may not know I'm a UN advocate for the sustainable development goals. And, uh, you know, I think there are brilliant plans set up by every country in the world for how to make radical progress between 2015 and 2030. And I absolutely know that when I was helping kind of design the graphics for them and simplify them so that they were communicable, I was only thinking about politicians. I was thinking, how is this going to affect policy making in countries? And the very strange thing is the most active participants in the goals have been businesses. We happened to catch a moment when businesses started to realize that actually caring about the world as a stakeholder rather than just your shareholders, the impossibility of businesses operating in a sort of post-climate change environment, the fact that young people these days are really interested in ethical consumerism, and people want to work for a company that's doing good things rather than just making good money. You know, so oh, that's why I'm so optimistic about things like Red Nose Day now, because I think we're going to get the corporate partners and we're at a moment when companies care about meaning. And that didn't even occur to me when I started thinking about the SDGs. I thought I'm only talking to Macron, as it were. And, and, and what's interesting, Richard, you, you, you say that and you're right, but yet there's a company that I have great affection for based in the UK that took some heat because they were over, arguably, the, the, the allegation, if you will, from a pundit in the press was that they were overcorrecting on purpose. Yep. 
if you're in business, you also have to balance that against, you know, the purposes of a company. Your point is to deliver value to your shareholders, but you also can have the higher purpose of delivering value to your shareholders through more sustainable, uh, you know, ways of doing that. Yeah, no, and and look, I think I think you can have, you know, you can so have both ends, you know, and three cheers for pushing on every brand. And you know, sometimes sometimes it'll go amiss, but the general direction of travel, you know, I've been talking a lot about sustainable investment recently because I'm part of a campaign that's trying to shift pensions into investing you know, according to the SDGs, not otherwise. And five years ago, those investments, that was like a, you know, morals versus money argument. Those products were not doing as well. They are doing as well now. There may be some blip, you know, and the massive, I remember Mark Carney saying that sustainability is the biggest investment opportunity since the industrial revolution. You know, so it's a direction of travel and three cheers for taking a risk because Companies take risks all the time on dodgy things. Do you know what I mean? On fossil fuel expansion and and cherry coke or whatever was that famously. <laughs> you gotta you gotta try some things. But how brilliant to try your thing and win and also, you know, do good and change kids people's lives. There's two things I'd like to say. I've said them already, but if I could give you a standing ovation, I would, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'll do it just for the effect. Uh, uh, and, and, and again, for our listeners, I stood up and I uh, applauded Richard. Uh, I feel honored, Richard, to have the opportunity to get to know you, uh, number one. And I feel fortunate to be able to share your story with our listeners. And I am committed to do everything I can to help in Red Nose Day and Comic Relief and the full, the full complement of the things you're doing. And I promise to continue to go see the movies when you make them. Well, I'm I'm just here with Melissa McCarthy. I was looking at Melissa McCarthy in a hundred BC Scottish garb just now, and then I had this hilarious moment where I looked around and I saw a, a hot dog costume. I said, "What?" I have a, there are no hot dog gags in my movie. And she said, oh, I've had a little idea about a hot dog. So it's been, it's been a surprising day. But honestly, well, Michael, you know, I, I suppose my feeling is that it, it's a shock and a surprise to me and all the comedians who we've worked with that they've been able to do extraordinary things. You know, and I remember Adele coming on our show once and singing Someone Like You for the first time. And it was just such a perfect, moment of emotion and need that we made four million pounds in seven minutes and i suppose that i would just say to everyone just check out that you're not a hero without knowing it just just have a thought for a day and say i wonder if that bit of my business that thing that i do could actually change other people's lives because what we do with the money is remarkable you know often if you have a member of your family who is ill or sick, you can't fix it. But I've just seen, you know, when you give a dollar, it buys $10 of food in a food bank. Vaccines that stop diseases that kill cost 17 cents. 
You know, you can really do with little bits of money. And when you do the multiplication on that, it's such satisfying magic. And honestly, if I had to choose between my two careers, as much as I, I feel sorry for Hugh Grant that he would be, you know, a rather attractive maitre d in a second-rate <laughs> restaurant in London without me. Um, I, this has clearly been the one that's been most wonderful. So I, I just tell everyone you can have your cake and eat it too. You can run a successful business. You can lead a full life. And if you just apply yourself, and please, you know, contact us as Comrade Relief because we've got a million ideas. But if you apply yourself to these issues, you'll be shocked by how much you can achieve. Richard, I, I was raised on a principle of two things. Number one, if you've had the good fortune to do well, you have an obligation to do good. That's a lovely turn of phrase. And number two, as I've always said, I've split my life into thirds, and you obviously have as well, at least, I'm guessing. The thirds, if I look at a pie chart of my life, I've always said I contribute a third of my time to my family, a third of my time to my business, and a third of my time to my community. It's never precise. It might be 90-10 one day, 70-30 the other day, but but in principle, on a continuum, I like to try and do that. And I've done that in my career, and I'm proud of that. And Richard Curtis, you've done it, and we're all thankful for you having done it. And you know, I don't know your percentage of time, but my bet is uh, right now, a heck of a lot more time on Red Nose Day and Comic Relief than than your primary career. So, well, there's a there's a little bit. I, I I've spent too much time listening to the Beatles now. I'm feeling bad about that. Um, but uh, too much time last year watching Shit's Creek. But um, I mean, it's it's been satisfying. And and what the shock is, the opportunities and when you apply your mind to it. You know, people who get in touch with Comic Relief and say they want to help. Uh, it's amazing what we achieve, what we achieve together. And look, I congratulate you on that series of priorities too. And it, it's, you know, it's a satisfying thing. I got in touch with a friend of mine who runs a major music business and said, let's do something about this pension issue. And he got in touch and said, I did it. And, and I said, oh, thank you. And he said, oddly enough, the thanks are the other way around because it's the most popular thing I've ever done with my employees. Really? Yeah, there you because go. they suddenly thought we're doing something. The worst thing in the world is opening the newspaper every day and saying, I can't do anything about child poverty, about Ukraine, about climate change. And when you do the sort of stuff that you and I do, you can read your paper with a bit more comfort because you know that actually you are doing something. I had a spin instructor once. I like to get on those spin bikes occasionally. And I had a spin instructor once who said another little pearl of, of, of wisdom. I want to get it right. She said, when people say I don't have the time, what they really mean to say is I didn't choose to allocate the time. Yeah. And when people say I don't have the money, what they mean to say is I didn't choose to allocate the money to this. And I agree with both of those. Time and money are both finite. Okay, but you can allocate your time and money even within the finite parameters of what they are. I think that is true. And, and I think there's just a particular joy in getting something right that is on behalf of other people. I've, I've always, when my movies make money, I, I always say to Emma, I always say, I wish something happened when we make that money. Uh, do you know what I mean? I wish I could 
I've, I've got given an ice cream for every million. It's just there. And the satisfaction of the money coming into Comet Relief and me reading the grants and seeing the things that we're buying. You know, in every city across America, there's money going to kids who, through no fault of their own, have a very hard deal. And you think, well, it is just so great that someone they don't know has taken the time to do something that's going to change their future. Well, in the spirit of that, Richard Curtis, I'm glad you are now somebody that I do know. And, and I want to thank you for joining us on Good Company. And I want to thank you for being Richard Curtis and doing all you've done. Well, I look forward to seeing you very soon again, and we'll have some plots. I'm Michael Casson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President, Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. 